Hi there, I'm Lise, and I'm your host for the Creative Minds podcast brought to you by members. You guessed it. This is a podcast for creative minds where we discuss the creator economy, social media, communities, and the ups and downs in the lives of content creators. Here you'll find topics if you're simply curious about the creator economy or even if you're an expert in the field. Tune in every Thursday and get early access on members, downloadable on Google Play and the App Store. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Minds podcast. It's crazy to think that with all the guests we've had on this show, there's one episode that just sticks out the most, and it's our very first episode that's called The Blueprint of Content Creation. A rule of thumb in marketing is to replicate anything that works, so I'm super happy to bring back the co-host of the best performing episode. Welcome back, Chris. Hello, Liz. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. It's such an honor to hear that our episode was the most successful one. That means a lot. Well, it was a good episode, so there's no shock there that it would be the press performing. Of course, we've had some amazing guests, but I think we laid a pretty strong foundation of what the episode states, the blueprint of content creation. So how have you been? What have you been up to lately? I've been great. I actually have been up to the biggest startup event in the world. Have you heard of it? It's called Web Summit. I have, but maybe some of our listeners haven't. So maybe you can talk about your experience. How was Web Summit? Web Summit it was fantastic. I mean, as I said, it's the biggest startup event in the world. So we're talking about 70,000 people showing up in Lisbon from all over the world. Lisbon is, I love Lisbon. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. And I was there with our CEO, Isabelle, and our founder, Mikkel. And it was such a pleasure to meet such a wide diversity of startups, startup professionals, creative professionals, investors. It's really refreshing to go to a place where you meet pretty much the benchmark where everyone in the startup world world, which is not a small world, meets. So it was amazing. We made so many fantastic connections. We learned so much. I would go every year if I can. <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. But for the people who didn't have the opportunity to go this year, as a summary, what did you learn this year that would be of use to the audience listening? I learned a lot. I guess the most important thing that I learned, because one of our missions there was precisely to raise our seed round. So we spoke with a lot of technical people, sort of technical people. That was extremely refreshing. So, you know, I, we, I guess a common discussion we have here in our office, and you know this, is how to handle technical stuff. Because us from the business side, obviously, we're not so literate in tech stuff. But we have to be. The more we are, the easier for us to understand how things work on a startup like ours. So when you meet different tech people with different backgrounds, with different points of view, it's really refreshing and you really get to understand your own company a lot more. So that's definitely one lesson. And a second lesson I would say is, as I was saying, we spoke to a lot of investors, fundraising, speaking to investors, all the finance aspect of what to offer, how to negotiate, how to evaluate your own company. This is something you do not learn overnight. You have to really practice. We spoke to investors that were really matter of fact and some that were not at all matter of fact. So it's very interesting. You really have to be prepared and skill and develop skills to talk to any type of investor and really know how to promote your product, which forces you to want to develop your product more, which marries the first person that I made, which is you have to understand the tech part to do the business part. So that's how, that's what I bring in my suitcase from the web 
summit. Fantastic remarks. Uh, we also visited Slush last week. As we're recording this, it was last week. But one thing that I was really, really happy to see when we were networking with other startups is that everybody has the same issues. Everybody has similar problems to yours. So it really feels like even though you might be alone in the sort of niche market that you are in, the problems are relatively the same, which was comforting. Did you feel the same thing at Web Summit? Absolutely. Well, I think the very core of the startup world, the business, and this is not a new thing. If you read the book Startup Nation, which is a book that tells how Israel became, well, they, they call themselves the startup nation. Not sure that's true anymore because maybe Estonia is a startup nation Woo! now. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> No, but jokes aside, like uh, they talk about this very basics of startup building, which is essentially, you know, you, you have not so much money, but you have a great idea of how to use technology to fix an issue. That's the basic premise, right? So you, with that little money you have, you develop a basic product. And then with that basic product, you start raising capital and, and or bring revenue. And then you start bringing results and then more money. And, and, and it goes like this and, and scaling it up. This is the basic premise that every single startup in the world will always face. So we've met startups and I'm sure you guys met the same, had the same experience in Slush. We met startups from so many different levels of status right now. Some that are really, we met, we were, we had this booth one day and we met this startup from Portugal whom was also about content creation, but focused on music. They had already raised 45 million euros, Wow! you know? But they are sitting in the same booth as we are, you know, they're just in the same fight as we are. So obviously they reach a different status business-wise, but at the end of the day, they're still pushing for more and doing the same thing as we were doing, which is really cool to see. Also, the spirit is the same, you know, there's no hierarchy of status, which is great. So I also like to apply this to other aspects and other businesses, which is, you know, develop a product with not so much money and scale it up. I think it's the startups, one of the many things that startups bring to the world is precisely this lesson of how you can develop a product without trying to get it ready and selling it and investing millions. You can always develop something grassroots and build up. So there's always a learning curve. Always, always. Well, with everything in life, you know, not, we are never born knowing anything. We, we, there's always going to be a learning curve for everything. And startup is, that's the essence of startups, which is why it's such a modern style of business, right? I mean, it took, took us a while to get here. Uh, we only got here in the 1990s. And obviously 30 years later, here we are really developed in this world. And we're now we're learning also the bad side of it, which is VC has to figure it out. Like you can't just pour money without people giving back revenue and just hope for the best because then you're not you're gonna centralize and you, anyway. So yeah, we're also learning as we go. That is a perfect segue into actually the topic that we're gathered here today to talk about. We'll get into that in a sec. But Chris, I have one question for you. Do you consider yourself a good person? No, not at all. <laughs> Explain. Well, I mean, I don't like people that try too much to be good people. I think we as humans, we are very imperfect. We have flaws and we have positive things. And that's what makes us interesting. If you try to be good all the time, you're just going to be faking it, the flaws you have, which is different from making the flaws you have better. But some flaws, it's like, you know, I'm not a good basketball player, but I love playing basketball. So I play every week and I'm, you know, out of a group of 20 people, I'm probably very bottom uh, 
But still, I uh, and, I, and it's fine. I'm a bad, I can tell you right now, I'm a bad basketball player, but I still play basketball because I like it, and I have to, and the, this, the best I can do is to get a little better. And I think uh, when we talk about being good or bad people or persons, it's the same logic that applies. I mean, uh, am I a good person? Well, if you ask my girlfriend, probably she'll say yes, or my, my mother, they'll probably say yes. But ask your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> but, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my ex-girlfriend too, or you know, or even myself. That's mm-hmm. the point. Like, uh, there's moments, things that I do in life. I'm like, wow, that was really a bad person. The thing that I do, and I feel good about it. <laughs> so yeah, that's how it goes. I love that thought. I hope my father isn't listening to this episode because he is a horrible singer, but he loves to sing. So he does not need those words of encouragement. <laughs> but let me ask you this: Are you an asshole? Probably, probably a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well. If I have to answer the same question, I do agree with what you say. I try to be the best person that I can on a daily basis. Of course, I accept all the flaws that I may have. Some days I have more, some days I have less, of course. But generally, I wouldn't say I'm an asshole. So if you're on one end of the spectrum and I'm on the other one, I feel like we're the perfect people to discuss today's topic, which is I have picked out some posts from the subreddit, Am I the Asshole? Centered around content creation or people who are involved with content creators. I'm going to read them to you and we can give our two cents about them. So from from an asshole and a non-asshole person. <laughs> That's the perfect judgmental judges. Mm, exactly. So one more question. Let me ask you. What time does the narwhal bacon? What? What did you just say? <laughs> what time does the narwhal bacon? Anyone who knows what this means is probably cringing. I'm sorry. Can you stop being an asshole and tell me what you're saying? <laughs> sure. So... What time does the narwhal bacon? The answer is at midnight. So this was a question used around the 2010s. I feel like this is a very 2014, 2015 question to ask. So this would be a question that if you knew the answer to, that would help identify one Redditor or a person who uses the website Reddit to identify each other. So if you knew that the answer was midnight, then you'll be like, ah, you're also a Redditor. It's a very, very, looking back, a very cringeworthy thing. But I didn't know this before. I I've now remembered that like, it was a thing floating around the internet, a very like inside joke, but I never knew the answer to it, that I just Googled it before recording this episode. So we're not true Redditors, but we're here to decide if people are assholes or not. How does that sound? Sounds like a, sound a lot of fun. I love doing that. All right, but I guess the best way to start is to just jump into it. I'm going to read you the post and then we can just elaborate. Am I the asshole for posting an unedited picture of my influencer sister when she didn't facetune me as well? To preface, my 26 female sister 22 female is an Instagram influencer. I won't give too many specifics, but while she's relatively a nobody here, she has a couple of hundred thousand Instagram followers. We had a small get-together for Canada Day, and she took a picture of me and her posing in front of some decorations. Here's when things took a turn. My sister facetuned herself, but left me unedited. Now, I don't want to say I'm ugly or she's ugly. However, we're nowhere near the average Instagram influencer level of beauty, and I'm relatively unphotogenic. I do not take any images without a filter, just for my own self-esteem. She insisted that I pose with her since we had somewhat matching outfits. I said okay, and she took a ton of pictures. Finally, she got one that she was happy with, but to be honest, I looked pretty awful. I told her I didn't want her to post it anywhere unless she cropped me out or at least edited me a little bit so I didn't look dreadful next to her. She said okay and didn't realize that she posted it until later that evening. 
I got a weird DM calling me the ugly sister, along with some other DMs generally making fun of my appearance compared to my sister's. We went to her page, and I saw that she tagged me in the image and facetuned herself, but left me unedited. She made herself look flawless and left me looking terrible off to the side, which was even worse now with her there in comparison. I couldn't believe it. I called her and asked how she could do this to me, and to take it down because she did not have my permission to post it, but she said that she had too many likes for this amount of time to remove it. Livid! I found a picture of us that I took before she decided to use her phone, where we admittedly both looked terrible. I posted it and tagged her, leaving it unedited. I then woke up to a ton of messages, not only from my sister, but my mother condemning me for my actions and putting my sister's career on the line. The post only got a handful of likes and a few comments as well. She deleted the post of the two of us and told me to do the same, which I obliged. But now my mother is still very angry and refusing to talk to me because I risked her career in a petty fit of jealousy. So I have to ask, am I the asshole? Well, first of all, what a great family. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a very unhealthy relationship between these sisters because they have this little contest going on between. And it's not even a, a contest of who is a better daughter or something it's a contest it's a look it's a physical contest which is the most unhealthy type of contest it's just so cheap and vulgar and to make things worse so they they both were, were assholes in that sense the first sister for obviously deliberately posting a picture without so she started the first sister the one that is famous on instagram posted without the other sister allowing which is definitely a huge asshole move it's unethical actually and then the second one instead of being a grown-up and and taking the higher ground and saying i'm not going to be an asshole like you so if you want to post a picture that i don't like and you're not going to delete it then sure but uh, i'm gonna pay back in different ways i'm just not gonna i'm gonna take higher ground but she then goes and she takes the low ground as well and she just does, does the same thing, which is the most stupid type of revenge you can do. And to make matters worse, the mother gets involved by choosing one side. <laughs> and so, yeah, the three are assholes. That, that's my judgment. And finally, I would just say that I hope I never meet any of them. <laughs> Well, the good thing is that these posts are all anonymous, and even if we ever meet them, we will never know that that is them. But I do agree with you. I feel like everyone's the asshole in this sense. The Instagram sister more, the sister looking out for revenge uh, less. But I have a weird take on why she is the asshole. She used career in quotation marks, as if being an Instagram creator is not a real job, but that's not for us to educate at this moment. For me, this opens up a whole can of worms into the fact that people are still editing themselves to look nothing like themselves on Instagram. It happens more than we think. And can you imagine the response that could have come from the Instagram sister's fan base if they saw that unedited picture of herself? Just today, I saw a TikTok where someone was commenting on the fact that there was a paparazzi photo taken of Kim Kardashian somewhere and people are like worried, is she okay? She looked very, like her eyes were like dark bags under her eyes. She looked like, what's the word? Not herself? Unflattering. Unflattering. Yeah, she did look quite unflattering in that photo. And people are getting worried, like, is she okay? And then someone made a TikTok saying that, yes, 
she probably is okay. We're just not used to seeing King Kardashian with wrinkles and under eye bags and looking like an actual normal human being. We touched on this subject in another podcast episode with Mimi when we were talking about presenting yourself online and, you know, everybody wanting to look like a Kardashian when in fact the Kardashians don't even look like the Kardashians. Absolutely. I mean, I remember this one time where I, I took a plane. I don't remember exactly from where to where, but it was a short flight. I think it was like a 15 minute flight and i was sitting on the hallway and then next to me there's this woman this young woman probably you know early 20s and she spent the whole flight auto tuning no sorry face tuning herself she spent like the whole 50 minutes she took a picture probably at the airport and then she spent the whole flight touching on like tiny details on her face I remember I felt very sad because it's like there's so many other things. That, and aside from how the pressure of, you know, by the way, we have to make sure I have to mention this. This is mostly because of this whole culture of, of beauty and it pressures women much more than men, which is part of, I guess, the patriarchy. Because, uh, I, of course, there's also men that face tune their photos, etc. But it's mostly women because there's this pressure of you know always looking sharp etc the internet is really not helping with that social media in general is really not helping with that so that's an issue uh, and this case that you mentioned these two sisters it's a perfect example of women competition which has been a strategy from the patriarchy since ever and to make matters worse it's an in-family women's competition so everything is wrong with that story and the fact that instagram is involved makes us think of yeah i mean shouldn't instagram be an instrument to help fix this patriarchy issue instead of creating further issues that's where it gets to me so it's sad i feel like uh i would hope that people would not feel this need you know i for example you mentioned oh kim kardashian beauty i I don't think people like kim kardashian are attractive at all we have this thing in brazil which is called cosmetic surgery that you harmonize your face and people joke that you it's it's called facial harmonization something like that and people joke it's facial demonization because everyone looks the same when they do it and i've seen people that i thought i've met personally people that i thought oh that person is really pretty you know very beautiful traces and then but for some reason they thought they weren't beautiful or attractive or whatever you want to call it because of this pattern established so they went and do the demonization the facial demonization and now they look different they lost their identity well that's the part that catches, catches me the most like everyone has an identity on their face. That's where beauty comes from. That's why beauty is so relative uh, because, you know, you can, you can, if you love someone that most people don't find attractive, for example, for you, that person is the most attractive person in the world. It comes from the love. But if, you know, if that person destroys their face because of some patriarchy or even non-patriarchy could be a man as well, um, uh, pressure of some beauty dictatorship pressure that's so sad you know that's just so horrible so yeah i feel like i hope a story like this have to find solutions to avoid stories like this 
Yeah. I was having dinner with my mother-in-law maybe two, three weeks ago, and we were talking about this exact same topic. And then I showed her like what is possible to, because she, she had no clue that this was a thing, that she thought the people were taking pictures, maybe throwing a little filter on it to make it look a little more retro or something. But she had no clue that there were apps out there that could absolutely transform your face. I took this picture of my mother-in-law just to show her what is abs- like just possible. And I threw some like the most basic filter on it, which, you know, if you have face app, then you know it's the Hollywood 4 filter, level 5. It's just the most fake looking thing. But it's thinking of how far we've come with like technology that, you know, alters your face. This looks pretty good. I mean, obviously it looks fake. She looks 20. She's a 60 year old <laughs> woman. But she was looking at that like, wow, I look so good. Send it to me. I want to use this as my Facebook profile picture. I said, girl, hell no, you're not using that. Of course you look good, but this is not you. Everybody who, anybody who has seen you in real life on your best days know that this is not you. You cannot possibly do that. She was of course a bit, you know, torn that I wouldn't let her use this photo because she looks fantastic. She looks 25 in this picture. (laughs) For a 60-year-old lady looking 25 is really good. But this is what's possible. It baffles me. And the amount of people who use this, it's insane. Yeah, I would call it an issue. I think it's an issue because it also brings continuity to this issue of beauty dictatorship and again beauty comes from within and also what your point is very good as well like if you do a plastic surgery at least your that's going to be your face for the rest of your life but if you just manipulate your face imagetically that's not even you anymore you're literally creating an avatar you're literally creating an avatar for your own face and i'm sure there's people that and i I bet this is an issue with some people like they would do so much face tunes and get a, a type of persona, a physical persona for them online that they would avoid going out and people uh, going like, oh, you do not look like you look in the pictures, you know? <laughs> like you're different from what I expected, which is so sad. I mean, we, we again, we, we, are, we, we are with what we're born. It's, it's genetics and, it, and it's also kind of disrespectful to all your background. So anyway, I hope people, this is something that uh, people like us that have products within this industry of content creation, it's part of our responsibility to address that. A very, oh, you said a really good thing right now. It's kind of disrespectful to all of your background. That's a good point. I just took a long vacation and um, I was getting poolside pictures of myself taken and I was hiding my calves because I'm very weirdly insecure about my calves because they're like fairly large. (laughs) And for me, it's just a thing of uh, insecurity. But thinking back to my ancestry, I'm Estonian, if you guys don't know. And the Estonians back in the day who had like really large, thick calves were the people who were like on the fields and, you know, like doing the field work and were like building up this country from the ground up. And those are the people that looking back in history are the most respected people, the people who made us independent as a country and, you know, worked their butts off to build this country. And that's something that I today am insecure about, although it's (laughs) just because of some like Western beauty standards. It's it's bizarre. But we could talk about this all day. So how about I read you the, the next one? Just a quick observation regarding this, what you said about the calves. I went to Peru a couple of years ago and they have a similar background, like calves are what would consider people attractive precisely because that meant that people were 
hard workers, etc. And they would have this thing back in the day where if someone wants to flirt, they would just go, they would, they would just go to the person and say, I think you have very beautiful coughs. And that was like saying, I'm in love with you, yeah. like that. <laughs> I actually used that with someone. Oh, <laughs> it's a long story. okay. I would yeah. love to hear that story. But she had some Switzerland and it didn't work out. Oh, well. <laughs> well, it seems like you have a pattern. <laughs> All right, next one. Am I the asshole for telling my roommate her aspirations of being an influencer are fucking pathetic? I lived with a couple for a little over a year now. I'm in my early 20s and they're in their early 30s. The boyfriend works two minimum wage jobs at least 50 hours a week in order to provide for the two of them as their girlfriend is striving to be an influencer and doesn't have a job. She spends most of her time taking pictures to post on Instagram and DMing brands to get some sponsorships. So far, no income has come from this. Last week, the boyfriend had a complete breakdown while the girlfriend wasn't home, and she tells me he's exhausted from being extremely overworked. He was straight up sobbing, saying that even though he's working back-to-back shifts, he still isn't making enough money to support the both of them and, which I didn't know until now, her spending. He even asked his parents to help with this month's rent. I feel really bad for the guy. Skip forward to last night, and I'm sitting chatting with the girlfriend and the topic of money came up. She started to complain that they weren't making enough money for her to do the things that she wanted to do. I politely asked her if getting a job and doing the Instagram thing on the side was an option, and she got immediately defensive. She told me that of course this wasn't an option and that she shouldn't put her dreams on hold. Confused, I asked her what her dreams were. She said to inspire people, and then I said, which I probably shouldn't have, to do nothing. She got really offended and said there's so much that goes into it that I could never understand. I mean, the girl takes pictures of lattes in yoga poses. She doesn't even edit them, just uses the default filters on the app. I didn't want to argue about the logistics of influencing, so instead I brought up the concern of her boyfriend and told her that I think he may be overworking himself. He's not happy and needs her help to support them financially. She says, well, I don't understand why both of us have to be unhappy. At least one of us is pursuing our aspirations. To that, I said, well, if your aspirations are to do nothing while your partner busts their ass to support you, then your aspirations are fucking pathetic. Later that evening, I got a text from the boyfriend saying that I crossed a line. And now because of me, she thinks that he believes that she does nothing and her dreams are pathetic. I feel bad, but holy crap, I just couldn't sit by and bite my tongue. Am I the asshole? No, not at all. She's that that one is an easy one. Contrary to the previous one, this is very easy. The asshole is the is the person who she was talking to the girlfriend, I guess. Let's call it that way. This person who's telling the story, she's not an asshole because sometimes I mean I mean technically she she's the asshole in the, maybe the way she provided a criticism. However, she did a favor to that person actually, because obviously that was a very abusive situation that couple was in one thing is for a couple to say okay let's make a partnership you know let's agree that i need time to invest in my business and the other person say that's fine i will help you and i will the way i'll help you is by you know doing the 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 labor work and financing everything and then that's one thing but from at least from of course we're listening the 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 story from the, the 
critical side, of course. But let's say that's exactly what was happening. Let's consider the person was being legit on the criticism. So the boyfriend was starting to crack up. So eventually the relationship, so that, that crossed the line of, of abuse, abusive relationship in my, in my book. And then, uh, so when the friend talked some sense into, well, I guess both of them, if they got offended, that's their problem. Because I feel like if they are smart in the future, one day they will thank this person who's telling the story because they definitely help them. Because again, people have to be responsible. You know, I met a couple in a somewhat similar situation. I mean, they weren't so strapped with money because it was a couple as well. A straight couple guy was making decent money, so they they weren't worried financially with the fact with the fact that she wasn't working. But also, she was too comfortable, so she was trying to become a successful creator. But turns out she wasn't any good at it on it, and she wasn't trying to improve it. So her content was just not good. It was it was pretty clear that wasn't gonna go anywhere, and you know that was kind of how things remained. And it may, likely forever they will remain like that in that particular sense. But I remember his family would say to me, like, I don't understand why he's comfortable with this situation. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that uh, she's not even putting an effort to try. If she Because since he's, like, paying for everything, the least you could do was to put an actual effort. And I remember saying, well, I, I agree. But also, I mean, if they have an agreement and they're both happy with it, that's their right. So they're not doing anything wrong. It's whatever rules they establish for themselves. But again, in that case of that particular story, that doesn't seem to be the case. The guy was overworking, costing his life, his energy. He's not following his dreams. I'm sure he has dreams. And while apparently she was not making that worth and not validating him for his effort from the story we heard. So... The person who shook her up, I think they are not an asshole. She, she did a right thing. And I think sometimes we have to say the truth to people. And that's why I, I said, you know, be the asshole. And people will consider you the asshole for a long time. But then one day they will, oh, I can't believe this. But turns out they were right. That happened to me quite a few times in my life. Good points. I agree in the sense that it's absolutely fine to support your partner if they're building a business and being a content creator 100% is a business. It takes time, of course. But you don't, you, you can't get too comfortable when you're spending someone else's money. And I feel like that was the case here. I also feel like the person writing this post was a little bit petty in the sense that like criticizing the fact that they do nothing and only post with the default filters and all, that's none of their business. But to an extent, of course, you you have to criticize that person and give that outside perspective. Were they the asshole in the situation? I would say no. If you are in the position where you don't even consider your partner overworking themselves to for you to pursue your dreams, I think that's just not being grateful and not being thankful. And here, let's say this. If you are a content creator and if you are putting some strain on your relationship, hell, not even that. Everybody listening, Put this episode on pause or put it to play in the background and text your partner and just say thank you for being there, <laughs> being there for you. It takes a lot to be a partner of a content creator. And sometimes we may not be as thankful for them as we are in our hearts. So send that message right now. You too, Chris. No, I don't like that kind of uh, hearty, heartfelt message, but I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do we agree? Yeah, we definitely agree. They were not the asshole. Yeah. No. But keeping on the topic of uh, partners of uh, content creators, I have another one for you. 
Am I the asshole for telling my girlfriend influencer that she spends way too much time making content? I love it with these uh, titles. We can always, almost always say like, yes, you are the asshole. <laughs> you can't say that to another person. That's, just a, that's their business. But once you actually read the story, you're like, Psst. yeah, everything's more complicated. Yeah. Tell you right away, my girlfriend is a social media influencer. She has many subscribers and this is her main activity and her only source of income. Yesterday, we went to her friend's birthday party, who is also an influencer. We went to a restaurant. It was great. We talked. We laughed a lot. The food was delicious. The waiter was a very funny guy. And the outside view was just adorable. When it all ended and we walked home, we started to discuss how the night went. At some point, I said that I was a bit tired and that she and her friends were taking too many photos and videos during the dinner. For example, when desserts were served, they didn't start to eat immediately. She took the first photo of it, then her friend took her place and took photos of it, and then another friend did the same. They used my phone for pictures, and I checked the time of the first and last photos, and I can say that it took at least seven minutes before we started to eat. I understand that it's not a lot, but time flows very slowly when you can't eat food and you just have to stare at it. I know that one. <laughs> then we started to eat, and her friend asked us to eat on camera because she got an idea for her TikTok. The video was very funny, though. I understand that my girlfriend and her friends need to produce content for their social media, but sometimes I just get really tired of it. I just want to enjoy and spend time as a normal person, eat the food, enjoy the company and the moment without taking pictures and not living to show off, you know? So when we walked home, I said to my girlfriend that I was a bit tired because they were taking too many pictures during the evening. In response, she got very angry and started throwing phases like, what? We didn't. We only took some pictures, but it was super fast. It's my job. Shut up. You don't like it? Okay, then I will give it up and then you pay for everything. That felt so ridiculous. I didn't say that her activity is stupid and that she should give it up. I just said that in my personal opinion, they spend too much time making content and sometimes I get tired of it. Am I the asshole? Well, first of all, I always get irritated when I hear stories from other couples because most couples are, how can I put this politely, so stupid. <laughs> I mean, it pisses me off. I mean, why, I can't have a real conversation. That's, I don't know, maybe I, my experience with relationships are so different. I mean, you talk to people. You don't start, shout, you know, throwing punches at people, being a passive aggressive. That's not how... To people communicate in any form of relationship. Anyway, so putting that aside, to answer the question. And that was the polite way to put it? <laughs> yeah, that was the polite way to put it. To answer the question, no, I don't think he's the asshole. Well, the person, the, I don't know if it's a boyfriend, but uh, the person in a relationship, uh, the person telling the story, I don't think they're the asshole in this case. There are two different things here. One, yes, when you are in a relationship with someone, and you know they do for a living and it's a profession that demands a lot and that may affect the relationship, You then, yeah, you have to comply. For example, she could have been a doctor. And then, and, you know, if you're a doctor, usually you have to do late night shifts, for example, right? Then you have to work weekends, for example. And so that's, if you're a professional content creator, at least for a lot of content creators, part of your job is to take pictures of everything. Either And if you're partnering with that person, if you're in a relationship with that person, you are going to have to deal with that. Now, having said that, it's important. I mean, when you are on the other side of a relationship, like if I were a doctor and I have to work weekends and 
night shifts, I would, I know that I'm offering a difficult deal for whomever I'm in a relationship with. So I also have to be aware. I personally, and that's me, Chris, uh, if I sit to, I hate, I hate when I'm in a meal with someone and they're using their phone or they're taking pictures. I mean, one picture is fine. I love, like when I travel, I take a lot of pictures because I like to, because it, it becomes, I, I build this like journey, journal of the trip and it reminds me of everything that I've done. But it's like a very quick, oh, let me just take a picture of this. That's fine. But, you know, I know I've, I've done a work in the past with a lot of travel bloggers. And I remember there was every meal and we would go to those fancy restaurants and, you know, the Nissan Plow was fantastic. And then people would, uh, so they would present the, the dishes and then, you know, so we have 20 people trying to take perfect pictures of the dishes and we were hungry because we were touring the whole day. And I remember a lot of people just going like, oh, come on, please. And then I remember some of the other travel bloggers would just go, can you, can we just come up with a deal in which you call the restaurant and they have the dish ready 20 minutes before we arrive. And then, you know, while I'm getting off the bus and going to the bathroom, people are already taking pictures because it's not fair. I have to wait 20 minutes starving while those people are taking pictures. So I totally get that. Uh, I, I think it's very annoying. But again, it's, if it's their, it's their job, you have to be aware that they're going to be doing it. So I don't think the guy telling the story is the asshole. I don't think none of them are assholes in this situation. Because again, she wasn't doing anything wrong. It's her profession. But she has to be, he has to be aware of this, that this is her profession. The same way if she was a doctor, she would do night shifts and weekend shifts. And she has, but she also has to be aware that, uh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I love you. I want to be with you. But you have to understand that I will be spending seven minutes taking pictures before we eat the dessert while it melts. <laughs> so like, it, it's a matter of both having a adult conversation instead of just going, oh, so you do everything, which is stupid. That's not ever going to be a good couple. Uh, and like, okay, here's the thing. I have this and that, and you have this and that. How can we match? So that's how couples work. You make deals. Okay, in this meal, I'm going to have to take pictures of everything. The next meal, I, then I promise, you know, we'll go to do another meal. We are completely offline. That's already a good deal for both of them, you know? So it's a matter of agreement. So again, none of them are assholes in that sense. I think there is just a matter of of finding a middle ground. They both have true, fair complaints. So I would just do a zero, zero in that sense. That's fair. I feel like in all fields, communication is key to understand what it is that your partner has to do for work is essential. I feel like the example that you gave with the doctor, fair, absolutely fair. I've also been taking a lot of pictures recently in situations where people may get a little bit annoyed with me. I'm not a professional content creator, but I do feel like there's like this stigma of like taking pictures of your food. <laughs> but it's fine. If, if that's your job, that's your job. You just have to deal with it. And if that's not something that you're ready to deal with, maybe it's time to find yourself another partner or at least talk through the issues that so you can understand each other yeah exactly i mean of course there's also people that do not have base it's a matter of politeness sometimes because for example i remember again I'm, i guess i have peru in my head today but 
I, when I was in Peru, that same trip, I went to Machu Picchu, and there's this one spot in Machu Picchu where you can see the whole city. And I was trying to get there, and I just couldn't get there because people were, you know, spending way too much time taking selfies there. And and I remember I was very pissed off because they weren't even looking at Machu Picchu. <laughs> they were just there for the picture. Like they were just because they had to they have to have their backs to Machu Picchu to take the picture, right? So they would go let's go and they would stay say like four minutes taking selfies. They wouldn't even look around, okay, now put in your, in your pocket and look at Machu Picchu for four minutes at least. It has to at least be the same. That's that's let's establish a rule here. If you spend seven minutes taking picture of that dessert, you have to spend at least seven minutes moaning how good that dessert is. Otherwise, it doesn't count. In that count. moment, not later, in that moment. And in that moment, no, in that moment. You have to, oh, I, ooh, that's, that chocolate that has to be like this for the same seven minutes. Otherwise, that picture has no mm. point. I, I remember another reference, actually. That episode of the Black, of Black Mirror in which everyone has this core. Yep. There's a very good scene in which the character, she she buys this little cup of coffee and it looks great. And then there's this little cookie and, and you know, she takes a picture and it's everything pretty. And then and she finally sits to eat, she puts her phone up, she bites the cookie and she makes a face like, ah, oh, this is gross. But she already took the picture and posted. And I love it. It's just such a smart like observation. It's like, it doesn't matter that it's gross. You already posted. The cookie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but now everything everyone's gonna think about oh, the cookie looks great. Like at least put on a description. Okay, you see that picture of the cookie is great, right? But the cookie sucked. At least do that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's authenticity. We talked about this in the last episode with Yash as well. There was this content creator. I, we don't have the link or screenshots or anything to the video because we he lost it, unfortunately. But he said that they were, they were he was working with a content creator and they did some review on some organic skincare. The, the creator was like raving about the product. Oh, it's so good. But then a little bit got into her mouth. And since it's organic, it didn't taste good that good and then she was like oh this product is fantastic but don't eat it because it got into my mouth and it tastes like shit so don't don't get it in your mouth and I feel like that is 100% better than just saying like oh this product is fantastic everybody needs to buy it authenticity I could tattoo it on my forehead <laughs> yeah there's the famous food example also a professional this is not a, by the way let's little history lesson again uh it, this isn't this wasn't invented by content creators. The advertising industry for food started this, you know, because, for example, they would do this photo of uh, McDonald's, for example, and they do this very amazing looking hamburger. They put all of these products on the photo to make it shiny and stuff, which makes the hamburger unedible. So, you know, that's so ironic because it looks amazing, but as soon as they took the picture, they threw it away. Because it's not edible anymore because they put like cosmetics. Hairspray. Yeah, they mm -hmm. literally put cosmetics on the food. So it, I look at the irony, you know, because yeah, it looks amazing. But first of all, the real one is not going to look as amazing, obviously. And second, no one ate that. So there's an ethical issue here. And of course, you can even go further and say, well, you know, people are starving and they're throwing food away, etc. So it, it, this really... 
it's part of a culture that wasn't born with the content creation as well. How good of a reference that we're talking about food at the moment and how we like put hairspray on it and like motor oil on stuff. I don't remember what it was, but someone like dripped uh, motor oil. I think it was on pancakes to make the syrup appear more syrupy. What was the first topic we talked about today? How we cosmetically inf- like make ourselves look prettier through unhealthy ways and now we're actually putting hairspray on pancakes to make them look more shinier it's not an epidemic only with people it's everywhere we want our food to look the best we want our cookies on instagram to look the best we want ourselves to look the best it's exhausting isn't it yeah it is exhausting all right but to finish off this episode we've been talking about people in relationships with creators who care about them but this is a little bit of a different one and not am i the asshole but would i be the asshole Would I be the asshole if I expose an influencer who used to bully me? I, 24 female, used to go to school with a girl who has now gained a fairly big online following, 400,000 on YouTube, around 170 followers on Instagram. She posts a lot about positivity and being kind to people, but I find it really hypocritical because when we were 11, she anonymously bullied me online and wrote horrible things about me. She found out that I was suspended at the time. It really messed with my self-esteem and trust, though I'm considering making a post or video about it explaining what she did and why she's a hypocrite. Would I be the asshole to expose her? I mean, I don't I don't think so. This is a much larger ethical discussion, but uh, no, I don't think I get the point. I, don't, I wouldn't call her an asshole for exposing her because obviously this woman who bullied the one that is telling the story is pretending that she's something else and but obviously she made a mark on that person she bullied a negative mark and i understand that the person who who has been bullied feels uncomfortable seeing that person selling an image that is fake because she knows better than anyone else that uh, that person is a bully so i totally get i don't think she's an asshole because i totally get the fact that she 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 feels uncomfortable with, with that, and that's also one of and and also that this addresses one of the other issues of, of you know social media and content creation, which is you can very much hide who you really are and pretend you know oh, you can make an image as if you were the greatest person in the world, but there's other people that you hurt and know that you hurt. So in real life, you're not that person. So it goes back with the same good old authenticity. It's like the food, the hamburger, the cookie, the same same logic. So, I mean, of course, the person who has been bullied, she has to do it. She can't, we can't live in a society when people, it's an eye for an eye. So I don't think she should, you know, revenge in a harmful way as well, because then she'll be doing the same thing. But I also, I also agree that uh, revenge is a dish best served cold. So... I, I get her. Like, I understand that she would like, okay, I have to do a little bit of payback to that person just, just to make sure that she knows that people are, that she hurt people and we haven't forgotten and and we're going to give her a little pain just just to make sure she doesn't forget that, you know? So no, I don't think she's an asshole for doing that. Hmm. But let's give this creator the benefit of the doubt. People change. Do you believe that people change? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, I do believe that people change, but people has have a core personality that, for the most part, it doesn't change. No. Well, this story took place when they were 11. Yeah, yeah. They're now that's... 24. Let's assume that they're the same age. 11-year-olds 
or preteens are mean. They are the assholes. <laughs> Just as an age group, let's let's be stereotypical here. Preteens can be very mean to each other. They have not yet reached a level of maturity to understand that feelings can, your, your feelings can be hurt by words. We can always assume things from other people. We can say that she was perhaps raised in a non-healthy environment at home. But, you know, the saying, when we assume, you make an ass out of you and me. So we can we can assume all we want here. I wouldn't personally go as far as exposing this person, perhaps still reaching out to them saying that, hey, I'm happy to see that you have changed, but you still did this to me when I was younger and it hurts. It hurts me still. Perhaps this is a place to make amends and not throw more gasoline into the fire. Fantastic point that I just thought of. I was viciously bullied in school because I started developing, physically developing at a very, very young age. And to be the first girl in your year to start, you know, developing, of course, boys picked on you because now, now that I think about it, of course, they liked me. And oh, the amount of trauma that they inflicted on my little 12, 13 year old brain. It was horrible. But a few years back, I was swiping on Tinder and I came across a guy that used to bully me in school. And I thought for a good minute on what to do. Do I swipe left? Because that's the most rational thing to do. Or do I swipe right and give myself a little bit of fun here? So of course I swiped right. And the guy messaged me saying that, wow, you have grown up so much. You are so beautiful. How are you? Just making small talk as if nothing happened. And then I told him, I told him that you have hurt me deeply. You have made me insecure about my body. You have done this and that to me. And they were, they were shocked. They were like, I did bully you when we were in school. I, I didn't bully, but I, but I teased you when we were in school, but I liked you. And kids at that age don't really know where the line is. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that that person may be fake on anything that they're putting out because kids' brains are so so soft and so like spongy at that time in their lives. But I do understand where the poster of this um, of this thread is coming from. But I feel like the best revenge is just to make them jealous, make something of yourself and make them regret that they ever hurt you. But then again, that person may not even know that they have hurt you as as my bullies didn't know. What a sad way to end today's episode. <laughs> so now that we've heard those four stories from people confused about their moral compass, do you consider yourself more or less of an asshole than you were an hour ago? Less, definitely less. I'm good at judging people. And I think I'm fair. <laughs> so if someone wants to come to you for therapy, where can they reach you? <laughs> I could. I had thought about being a therapist. Actually, I, I thought about studying psychology. What happened? I went to do other things, but uh, I still like to study psychology. I think you know, reading people is it's always important, and understanding where they come from, exactly. And also the back, the cultural background tells a lot of you know about attitudes. You know, so for example, we discuss about how people dis talk in relationships. Uh, you can tell a lot about someone and how they deal with. How couples talk, for example, how they talk to each other, how they, for example, if you tell something to someone, you see how they react and you understand a little bit of their level of maturity, for example. So anyway, yeah, I think this is, uh, it's interesting. Mm, that's true.
But thank you so much, Chris, for a fantastic episode. And if the people want to follow you and keep an eye on you and what you do every day, where can people find you? My Instagram, Chris Goldenbaum. Perfect. Of course, the link is down in the show notes as well. Again, Chris, thank you so much for being a co-host on this episode where we, I don't know, I feel I feel much better about myself <laughs> after reading those. <laughs> All right, everybody. And thank you to you two for listening to today's episode. Of course, join me back next week for another episode. Cheers, guys. Bye.